There's often weeks that change as you have a plan and uh, God says, no, 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 no. Thanks for trying. Let's, let's try this again. And what unfolded in last service is, uh, uh, I pray, replicated in what we have here, is I prepared a message, but we didn't even get to it. And you may be saying, yes, no, Chris, this week, uh, you're going to get something even better. Now, we're going to have a conversation here in just a, a few moments. But before we get there, the last week and this week and next week, we are intentionally pausing and reminding and reflecting upon a year ago, we walked through a forward campaign. And the forward campaign is about people and it's also about finances. And we have this project that's going on that you may have noticed just outside this, uh, the building here of a, a new space that's really designed for continual connection and community and growth. And we want to encourage you to stay up to date. You can find information on the weekly that we send out every week or right, is right on our website. On the walls around uh, out here and down in the kids' wing, there's information that you can uh, have before you to get questions answered. Also, there are a number of forward guides that we produced last year that you are welcome to take, whether you took one last year or you have never seen this before in your life. There's a number of these around that give you information on what we're doing and why we're doing it. And there's also devotionals that you can walk through that were produced, that were created from you. The, the church put them together, individuals and a team put together these devotionals last year. So you can walk through that and just be reminded of what God is doing. But we ask you to pray. Uh, we ask you to serve when there's opportunities that come along. There's going to be some more opportunities, uh, like we had uh, removed the playground out there, and there's some things that needed to be moved. There's going to be some other opportunities that you can serve, and so we ask you just to be ready, and we're trying to establish some teams that are, can go uh, when there's some needs. But also this giving element, too, which I want to remind us of uh, here today, just briefly. Last May, with the Forward Campaign, we had 120 households commit to be a part of this campaign, this three-year campaign. And you, the church, committed to $760,000 over a three-year period. And as we stand today, one year into this, we are somewhere between 46 and 48% already given. And so we're way ahead of schedule, and it's just a huge praise of what God is doing in you and through you. And we want to invite others into this time, not only on the financial side, but I said on the people side as well. 219 ones were identified last year. Now, what is a one if you've not been here before? This is someone who's not following Jesus that you are intentionally investing in, sharing life with, not just with this motive that they follow Jesus. That'd be awesome. That's great. And that may happen, uh, but that you are investing and praying for them. You're being intentional, rearranging your schedule that God could do a work in you and through them. And it's been pretty amazing. I just heard a story yesterday of a one coming to know Jesus and walking with Jesus. And so this is, like I said, about people and also about the financial side. And so what we're going to do is next week you're going to come in and there's going to be some cards on your seat that look like uh, maybe something you received in the mail two or three weeks ago, a pledge card that looks like this. And we did this a year ago, and again, it's an opportunity for you to do a couple things. There's one on the financial side. You can decrease your pledge. Yes, I did say that out loud. You can decrease your pledge. And we want to know because we recognize that life happens, that situations happen, life change occurs. And we want you to have that freedom to be able to share that and not to, to walk in any sort of shame or fear or whatever that may be. We understand. So you can mark that right on there. This is my new pledge. I'm going to decrease it. And we bless it. That's fine. Or maybe you want to increase it. Maybe you said, hey, uh, last year you were talking about this just like you've been talking about it for 15 years. Oh, there's actually a building going up. All right, you're really serious about this. 
and maybe you want to increase that pledge. Or maybe you're new here, uh, maybe whatever the situation was that was different than last year that you want to participate, we invite you to be a part of that next week. And the same thing with the ones, is that maybe your one came to know Christ, maybe uh, the relationship with your one changed, and maybe last year you just didn't identify a one. We're gonna ask you to name who is that, that person that you're walking with, just their first name, and uh, we wanna celebrate that and pray with you uh, with the ones there. Now, the reason we're doing this is not just so we have something new and we're gonna be like, wow, look at this, this is great, is really it's about life change. It's about people developing as followers of Jesus, serving as followers of Jesus, and ultimately reaching others for Jesus. And this is the reason why. And as we were looking back over some numbers, I just wanna share with you again, you saw these last week if you watched the talking head that was up here or you were watching online. Uh, last, uh, we wanna share that in the last year against the year previous, overall attendance is up 23%. Our children attendance is up 36%. Our nursery alone is up 77%. Wow, wow, there you go, yeah. Emily shared with me, it was a week or two ago, maybe it was last week, is that there were 98 children here on a Sunday morning, and 25 of them were in the nursery. Yeah, you laugh. So this is a challenge, and this is what we applaud for and we laugh for, is that we want to love our kids. We want to love you as families. We are looking for some help, especially in the nursery area. As these you know, 25 uh, kids were in the nurseries last week, we need some immediate help. If your policy and procedure approved uh, in May, we're looking for some short-term help uh, that you would say, hey, I'll come in this week. Just let Emily know. Or maybe you'd like to be on a rotation uh, ongoing once a month that you said, hey, I'll go in there and I'll hold some babies. I'll love on some kids. I'll pray over them, whatever it may be. Uh, we want you to be a part of that and have that opportunity. And our heart and our goal, too, is this fall is to open a full kids ministry into first service. And we want families to be able to come at 8.30 as well as 10.30. But that takes people. And so that takes us as a church to be able to do that. And my prayer is, is that those of you who come to this service would be like, yeah, I can get up a little bit earlier and come and serve in first service. And those who come to first service will say, yeah, I'm gonna stick around and I'm gonna serve in second service. I would love to see our body caring for one another in these ways. And so pray about that. But most importantly, the numbers I wanna share and be, remind you of that you heard them last week are those last two that are up there is 21 and 58. This is about life change. And in the last year, we've had 21 baptisms that we've celebrated and 58 salvations and rededications uh, to the Lord, that people are walking with Jesus. And so that's the why. That's the why, is the life change, the impact um, here is why we do what we do. That's why in the 90s, the space that we're in right now, there's a group and a church that said, yes, we want to invest here. And in the 80s with the education wing, and we reap the benefits we're here because of what God has done through a physical space and ultimately a spiritual relational space. So if you want more information, like I said, there's booklets around the church. I also invite you to come hang out with me for an hour and a half tonight or an hour and a half Tuesday. I'm gonna be in the youth room. We're gonna do a, Q, a question and response time Gonna cast some vision of why we're doing this even more than now, and 
Um, very similar, if you came to one a year ago, it's gonna be very similar to that. We'll have some dessert. So either tonight in the youth room or Tuesday night downtown at the Union, I invite you to come. And so if you have questions, I'd uh, love to spend some time with you and uh, be a part of that. So 6.05 to 7.35. All right, so the last couple of weeks, we have looked into the book of Acts. And like I said, I prepared a message. We're gonna, we're gonna look at chapter six and chapter seven. Uh, we're gonna tap into that a little bit here today with the conversation we're gonna have. Uh, but really, we're gonna um, save that for next week. Oh, one other thing I forgot to share is I uh, wanna remind you of an announcement that was last week is this great getaway. This is an opportunity for you to serve this summer. There's a camp uh, not too far away from here that works with families and students with special needs. Our students served, how many of you guys were there last year? A couple of you, two, like two. It was, it was good, right? There's more than two there. There's a number of others that served as well. Uh, but a really positive, um, life-changing experience. And so we're looking for, especially for adults to go and to serve. And so if you have questions, uh, there's a phone number, uh, Lori, and email up there. You can also go to our weekly and, uh, and have more information on the great getaway. So uh, please prayerfully consider that this summer, being a part of that. Book of Acts, chapters one and two, God does an amazing thing, and after his resurrection, he sends the Holy Spirit, and he says, hey, I want you to be on mission. People, you're gonna, you're gonna be on mission. We're gonna carry this thing forward that Jesus began, and I'm gonna empower you by my spirit. You're gonna carry forth the gospel, and we see this happen in chapters one and two, and people's lives are changed. They're transformed, and people are coming to know Jesus. They're being baptized, and then we skip ahead a chapter or two, which we talked about last week, and we move from being this people of presence in chapter one and two, a present to God and present to one another, that we celebrate how this early church looked. We get into chapter four, and, and although we say we wanna be like the Acts church, the early church and what was happening there, we sometimes neglect that persecution and opposition hit them really quickly, and reality came to them in chapter four. And so we looked at in the midst of opposition and persecution and hardship that there was really generosity that came out. So often what we can do is when there's some hard things that hit, we pull back and we, we kind of just hedge around us. But really what we see the early church doing is being more generous. And so the challenge last week was to be a people of generosity is thinking not only what I have in a limited amount or limited supply, whether that's time or resources or finances or connections or whatever you have, but rather saying, God, it's yours. You've given me this, so I'm gonna give it to you. You multiply it. You do something with it. Allow me to be used and be a person of generosity. And so we were talking about being a people of presence and a people of generosity. So this week, I sat down with two individuals and we're having a conversation and it's one of those things where things start connecting. Ooh, oh, this is good, this is good. Oh, yep, church needs to hear this. Oh, we need to talk about this. And so this morning, we're gonna have a conversation with a friend of mine and a friend of our church, and you're gonna to get to hear from him, his story, uh, in light of being a people of presence and generosity, and, uh, and God is doing a mighty thing through him. And so if you have not met him yet, let me introduce to you Uncle Mike, all the way from Sarodi, Uganda. So would you welcome Uncle Mike? So this is Uncle Mike. You may have seen Uncle Mike hanging around uh, the last couple weeks, and he's been in town for a number of weeks, and here for about two more weeks, I think it is. 
Yes, please. And, uh, and so you're good. They'll turn you up here a little bit. Um, is, uh, so what we want to do is, like I said, I was having a conversation with Uncle Mike and Joan Chapman, who has created and oversees mustard seeds. We're going to hear more about that in just a few minutes. Uh, but we were having a conversation this week, and some of uh, what Mike was saying and, and what we were talking about just fit so well into what we saw happening into the early church in Acts and so we wanted to hear from him. But just to get us started, Mike, would you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit of your story, um, so that we can uh, know you just a little bit better? Okay, it's good, it's a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because usually uh, stories about people, when we begin talking about stories about people, you might write a very big book. And that's why we just have a little bit. Um, I know that everybody has a story in life, uh, and some stories are really very bad, some stories are good. And uh, in life, we're so much comfortable talking about the good stories, especially when you're with the people. And then the bad side of the stories, which are so challenging and real, we try to keep them off. So my story is, in, in brief, is uh, I'm from Uganda, a little country way back in Africa, in East Africa and uh, where there are many people, of course. Uh, why I'm saying there are many people, because when I looked at the statistics of uh, Michigan vis-a-vis -vis Uganda, it's amazing. Michigan is about 96,000 square miles in terms of the area. Uganda is 91,000 square miles, which is almost the same, but the population of Michigan, what I researched, is about between 9 million to 13 million. Uganda has 49.6 million people. 49.6. Yes. Wow. So, out of that big population, the biggest percentage are young people. If you looked at the statistics, over 50% of that population are adults under the age of 30 and 28. It's a young nation. It's one of the youngest nations in the whole world. Why? The children are many, the young adults are many, the teenagers are many, and the teenagers and young adults are taking care of themselves. War broke our country for many years, over 20 years, they, we had a civil war, which destroyed about half of our country. On top of the war, there was HIV AIDS. And then with HIV AIDS, other diseases came in, meaning the adults were almost wiped away. So the young people who remained, you realize that they grew up without any direction and they are struggling, young people taking care of young people. So I come from a family which is a broken family. I grew up from a war-torn area when I was a little boy. There was war everywhere where I come from. And uh, my father having three wives, you know, in our culture, the more women you had and the more children you had, that the more powerful you were. So my father happened to be one of them who had three wives and uh, also having 21 children. And uh, even having 21 children and three wives, 
he was not educated. All the three wives were not educated, and there was a lot of struggle at home. With all the challenges, my father happened to be under the influence of uh, alcohol, drinking, and uh, when he got drunk, uh, I would use uh, a little bit in polite word, it could be very hostile and in really, really very tough. So with that influence, he again chased all his wives at, from home. He beat them up from the number one wife to the last one, who was my mother. My mother was the last woman to be married. And uh, I am very well informed by my brothers and my relatives. By the time he chased my mother, I was only two months old, which means I was a baby. And mom, not being a person who was educated, had nowhere to start life again. So she had to begin moving from town to town, uh, communities to communities, trying to make life. And uh, with that, I had to be with her. That means I never grew up with my father and my mother together. I, I never saw that. Although I knew where each one of them were, but I never saw the love and care of uh, both of them together, although they loved me differently. It was a little bit different. So there was a lot of suffering at home, no food. We slept on mats and uh, having uh, torn clothes, like, you know, that's the same thing that you, you put on during daytime and also trying to cover yourself at night without any beddings. And um, I went to school uh, after a lot of struggle uh, through the help of my uncles where my mom used to place us. Because the only way we could try to go to school was my mom trying to place us to her relatives' families. And that's where we had to go. However, while we went there, it was not just to get education, but it was a way of helping that family to do casual labor, like hard work, in exchange of either food or trying to go to school. So while the children of that home were going to better schools, for us who were going to really low school barefoot, yeah, uh, I think my first time to put on a shoe when I was growing up, I could have been like 13 or 14 years to put on a shoe. My father died immediately some few, about one or two years before his death is when I saw my father putting on a shoe. All his life was bare feet. Yeah, so that's the kind of family where I came from. And the time he was almost dying, one of my sisters tried to go to a shop to buy for him a shoe. The shoe could not fit his foot again because all the, feet, the toes were in different angles, directions, because he was not used to. And uh, yeah, I work in uh, a church in Uganda where I come from, and it's a Pentecostal church based, found based, and we're Pentecostals. And uh, I'm one of the leaders there. By God's grace, I, I, I lead leaders within the church and trying to do what God has called me to do. Also in Uganda, what I do is I, I, I love the children. I, I love working with vulnerable children. 
And uh, that's why, because of my background, I tend to understand them much more better. So I work with the, both boys and girls. While we're talking about boys, we're looking at the boys who live on the streets. And they stay on the street not because they want. They stay on the street because there are some things which happen in their families, in their backgrounds. Uh, one of them is domestic violence. The same thing that I told you about because I'm kind of a victim when I was young. When mom and dad fought and they, we lost the sense of family, we had to move. Being a two-month-old, which means where mom was, that's where you are going to be. So as I was growing up two years, three years, when she was trying to hustle with her life, I was also moving from place to place within looking for some things to eat. So those boys are on the street because of such challenges. Mom and dad are fought. We have no sense of belonging, no identity. So what do we do? Let's go on the street to beg. That's number one. Number two, the children are on the street because they are total orphans. Mom and dad have passed on who will take care of me because the relatives will never take care of you, especially if they are also in need. Everybody will be struggling on their own to take care of their own families. So why do we have to struggle? There is no one, like I told you, you know, the young nation, mamas died and were all children. They go to the street to beg. Now there's the other category of children who call the street home. That's where they sleep, that's where they eat, that's where they do all sorts of things and sometimes they are very dangerous because they are trying to protect themselves. Why are they permanent there? Because they are children who were born by fellow children on the street in the name of prostitutes. And, those, I, and you mentioned in first service the number of kids that you specifically work with that are, are the street kids that you refer to them. Uh, about how many kids is that? On a daily basis, uh, I reach about 80 to 90 children on a daily basis. Those ones you can access to see. And then the ones who are in the premises where we stay, we have nine kids. And during holidays, we go to nine to ten, like permanent where a small shelter that we have. So when we are working with that organization and with the children, that's why Chelsea and Rocky, when they come to Uganda, they deal with specifically those kids who are struggling with the street life. And their area of expertise, it's really, really so timely and welcoming because in our nation, that part of the country, there is no one who has been thinking about what Chelsea and Rocky come to do in Uganda. That is substance abuse. The children there are struggling so much with taking jet fuel, and, a jet fuel. and uh, it, it's bad that they take a lot of drugs, and no one is even thinking about them, on especially to reduce. The amazing part is, it is a positive. When they are talked to, and they are helped. They are positive. All the nine kids we have in the facility right now, you find that they were all victims of that. And many of them, they have changed, their lives have changed, they are in church. And while they are in church, they are also trying to do some service in church. 
they are not just coming to worship and go back. They also try to learn some few things within church. You know, maybe doing PowerPoint. Some want to play drums. Others want to do so many things. While they are there, they are also doing other things outside, like learning some few things to, you know, for survival, like tailoring. There are those who want to do mechanics, making shoes, and it's really wonderful. As for girls... Um, if I can pause just for a moment there. Is that there's a great complexity within Uganda, within Sarodi, and Mike experienced that personally, as you heard in his own family, and we often talk about a father wound within our culture. There's the absence of the father. And what I see Mike doing is really stepping in in a fathering type of role in so many different ways. Um, as you just heard with the boys and what Rocky and Chelsea are doing. And if you, if you heard talking about like huffing, stuffing, sniffing um, jet fuel in order to fulfill hunger pains that are there. And so what Mike's doing, and along with Rocky and Chelsea who are going this summer, um, to go back um, to continue the ministry, that just really that, that father type of care. And that's the boys. Now, on the girls' side, we'll, we'll transition that father's heart that you have there and with mustard seeds on your shirt here today. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about, we know mustard seeds. If not, we want to make sure you know about mustard seeds because many of us have participated and supported mustard seeds along with um, what Rocky and Chelsea are doing. But, but just so you're aware, church, um, the connection that's here. Well, let me just do a quick framing here. I met Mike back in 2016 when he was here with the Watoto children. There's a children's choir that came through where Rocky and Chelsea met Mike, and Mike came to our house. And I just, this is a memory I will ever have in uh, an image. And he got into one of our kayaks, and he went out on the lake. Now, lakes in Uganda are filled with hippos and crocodiles, and Mike was terrified of the non-existent hippos and crocodiles. Big snakes. And big snakes. And I'm like, you're fine. There's like little fish. You're all right, dude. It's all right. And, uh, and so I'll forever have that picture of him there. But that was a friendship that was started there. And Rocky and Chelsea started working with him in the ministry and the mission uh, that they have there. And Joan got connected with Uncle Mike. And, and so Mike is this hub in Uganda. He is the connection point. So when you hear about something that we're connected to here at the church in Uganda, this is the face I want you to have in mind. This is the heart I want you to have in mind and is Uncle Mike, and that's why we're talking here today. Um, but would you tell us uh, the importance of mustard seeds, um, that part of you know, the ministry there that you're working with too? I, I want, first of all, to begin by saying that thank you so much, Church, uh, Family Bible Church, for always welcoming me, and uh, there's no one who has harassed me or abused me here every time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's I want to know if that ever happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a loving church since Good. 2016, about six, seven years yeah. ago. The, the, the time I, I came here, I received the same treatment, which was really good. Even coming back right now is the same. And this is really, really so awesome. And especially and, uh, Uncle Rocky and Chelsea and uh, Mom Joan and uh, Dad, Fred, you know. So I, I am so excited. Um, I want really to thank the two families. Why? Because mission trips are not easy. And sometimes many people misuse the mission trips. But the two families, their first comings to Uganda really showed a sense, 
to what a missionary should do. They came and they saw a need. And after seeing a need and also the challenges we are facing as Ugandans, I have to be honest with you, those people could have not even gone back to Uganda with the difference of a way of life the people of America have and the way of life we have from the other side. They would have not gone back. But I think because of the love and probably the mentorship of the church here with what God told them and showed them to be coming back to Uganda, some of them more than three, four times, shows that what is in their heart is real. Because mission work is not easy. You go and meet different people that you have never met. You go and you, you forget about your family. And then you go to a place where there's no AC. Sometimes it can be as hot as 80 or 90 during dry season. The good news is even when it's during rainy season, for them they feel like it's still hot. And for us we're like, okay, this is good. You know, so when they came there, each one of them saw a need, basing on what God has called them to do, because I think that's what God intends of all of us. What God has given all of us, let's use it for the benefit of the God's kingdom. For, uh, for Rocky and Chelsea said we are going to help in uh, substance abuse because that's where they're well placed and they're really doing a good job many kids have come come out of it and then for auntie joan when she came there i went with her the good news about me being here and talking about uganda is you have the people in the church who have been there so whatever i'm talking about we believe in the americans and the white people that you speak the truth so when they tell you, I believe you believe them, that they speak the truth because they have been there. We went through the streets and uh, she met these girls who are teen prostitutes who are struggling with life and uh, selling their bodies for sex as less as 30 cents. Most 30 cents. 30 cents for you to sleep with a man. Why? Because you want to get something to eat. And what I'm talking about here is what she saw and see what she had because we had face-to-face -face with some of these girls. And now there was a need also for us to reach out to schools because we were telling her that, you know, many of our girls drop out of school because of lack of sanitary pads. As the boys keep on studying, the girls keep on dropping. And we found out that in a month, girls don't go to school five days. They stay at home. Now, we study in Uganda three months in intervals of three in a year. So that means in the first interval, first three months, the girl has to miss school 15 times, like 15 days. When examination is set, the girls fail. Why? They spend 15 days at home trying to take care of nature. And we found out that many girls, while they are at home, even 
staying at home, they don't have sanitary pads. They look for very old rugs, clothes, which are rugs, trying to wash them and trying to use them, but still blood penetrates. So it cannot make them to go to school. And then others in other communities, instead of uh, using the old rugs because of the culture that they grew up from and the lack of the sanitary pads, they put together the soil. When the girl now is expecting her periods, she doesn't have to go outside the compound of home. She puts uh, the sand like in a heap. And then when the blood comes, she goes to sit on that blood, on that on that soil or sun until the bleeding goes away. Then she goes back again for her work. After work, 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 when she realizes the blood is coming again, she runs again to another heap of sun, which was so hurting. We went to the community with Auntie Joan to see that community too, and it was real. It's the reason as to why Mustard Seed started that program, to reach out to those girls reach out to those prostitutes and say, God loves you still. You can do this. You can go back to school. As a team of uh, people in America were trying to put together some sanitary pads for you to use for free. We don't sell them. We don't sell them. They just sent to us and a group of other women in Uganda making also the pads. And we go to schools. We go to schools so that all the girls will also have access to go back to school. And so every Wednesday here, there's a team that meets in the room just beyond those doors right there that sews the pads. Uh, how many of you have participated or helped out with uh, the assembly, the cutting, the sewing, a number of you and a number in first service as well. And this past Wednesday, the team here FaceTimed with a team in Uganda, which I thought was just really special that they could see each other in these two different teams. And it's something that you have access to readily. It's something that is just, you can go to the store, um, but it's life-changing. It prevents education. It prevents uh, any sort of connection. Um, and pushes girls um, into choices that are just unfathomable um, for something that, again, you have easy access to here in the States. And so that's the why of the mustard seeds. And so really, again, that father's heart that Mike has for the boys in the street with the, the addiction, with the hunger, the girls with, um, again, basic sanitary needs um, and the choices they have to make. It's this father's heart, this protective heart that, um, that Mike and Joan and Rocky and Chelsea and, and a number of you have participated in. Part of our conversation this week uh, was surrounding how Jesus ministered, how Jesus saw spiritual need, how he saw physical need. And uh, Mike just had some really great insight that... Um, ask that you would share with the church of how Jesus ministered in that model for us to minister. Uh, I believe all of us are Christians, and uh, when we are Christians, we follow what Jesus Christ told us to do, and also we emulate what he did. And uh, in terms of needs, you realize that all of us have needs in life. And then Jesus Christ, when he went to different places for his missions, including his disciples. And the disciples in this case could be like us. And truly, we are his disciples. Because when we say yes to Jesus Christ, 
we are his disciples. So the Bible shows us so many occasions, so many times when Jesus went to different places. He met people with two different types of needs, just like us now when we go from place to place. There were physical needs and there were also spiritual needs. So being the Father, being our Savior, in many occasions, Jesus never started with the spiritual need. Jesus dealt with the physical need first. When people were sick, that's the physical. When you're sick, you have pain. It first began by healing. He healed the people. And then he continued with his work, telling people about how good God is, who is his father. And sometimes, and in many occasions, he never started by telling, hey, pastor, I am the son of God. You are sick. I am going to heal you because I am the son of God. He never. He first of all dealt with people's problems and the needs. When he got people who are hungry, many occasions he had to give them food. I think you remember very well when the disciples were coming back and they crossed the, you know, the, the lake or the boat, that they were going to rest. But as they were going to rest, the Bible tells us a magnitude of people followed Jesus, where Jesus was. And he was filled with the compassion, with the pain. You know, he never began preaching. What he did was telling the disciples, hey guys, can somebody go and buy some bread, some to take care of these children because they were hungry. When somebody was bleeding, he treated, touched, and then tell, go sin no more. Go sin no more is now spiritual. But the healing was first of all physical. So the church, nowadays I think maybe between five or ten years back, I realized there's a, a lot of change from church, including the country where I come from, Uganda. Amazingly, Uganda is 80% Christians, according to statistics. But what you see happening with the Christian life, it's something that should be talked about and understood very well. That many people, when they come asking genuinely for support, for help, I am hungry, please can you give me a cup of tea? The Christians of this day of age will first of all begin by telling, are you born again? Are you a Christian? And then if somebody says, no, I've not yet been baptized or prayed for, then you tell that person, oh, you come to church, you'll get food from there. We want to pray for you. We're doing the opposite almost. So instead of really genuinely helping people who are hurting, we want, first of all, to put a condition, let me use that word, that unless I pray for you, unless I identify that you're Christian, that's when I can come to that street to help you. Jesus went to different places. He went to synagogues. And then he also went to places where people are not wanted. 
the people communities didn't love, didn't care for, that's where Jesus went, to identify with them. So many occasions, some people try to be ashamed that, especially me, why do I mix up with the prostitutes? But that's what Jesus did. He went to the people who were hurting. If you don't go to the prostitutes, who will go to them? How will they know the gospel? The people in Uganda hurting, I know the people in America hurting too, many. In the whole globe, things are changing. There's a lot of pain everywhere. But us who are Christians, we need to go there and help. There could be some families here in the U.S., some children who are struggling with also the same addiction, family issues. It could not be food. For us, it's food. Many children suffer and they are struggling because of food. And not only children. There are moments even when I'm at home, I take care of a big family. On a daily basis, we have about 18 to 21 people. And some moments, there are moments, as I say, no food. We reach that point, it's like no food, and you struggled to take care of the children. You go to your bedroom, they think that you have eaten, but you have not eaten. Because you come back from wherever you're struggling, you find that all the food has been eaten. Then you go, go and pray, and thank God for the day, at least the people have taken care of. So that's basically what I, I have noticed for us Christians, and I want to thank the Family Bible Church, for what you do as a family. As a family, I was welcome. The people take care of me well. And when we share with many people here, there are people who really, really are so welcoming. I've, I've gone to so many families here and I've eaten. You know, they invite me and I've eaten and so nice, good food. You know, sometimes in some restaurants that I've never reached before and eaten enough food. You know, some people, I think a member in this church also responded very positively last week when she heard that Chelsea and Rocky are going to a place where another need is really paramount because these children need a place to be. When you rescue them from the street, it's very difficult. Rocky experienced that many times, 90 to 100 kids come on Thursdays and they're all street children. But now we said, God, we need to really believe in you for another step to have a shelter for them, another place for them to be. So another member here has gotten one, um, the, God has spoken to her and she says she's going to help to take care of one shelter for another eight children to be there. So I'm really so thankful. When I'm here, Dr. Ran uh, treated me so much as uh, a dentist and worked on me. From that time up to now, usually have people feel pain after, but nothing. I came for a soccer game that day, mm -hmm. and I was from a dentist. I played, I didn't tell you. Yeah, <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> yeah, so thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so here's, here's the sending challenge for us, is that there's need everywhere. And there is need with mustard seed. There is need with Rocky and Chelsea. There's need with the church. Uh, there's need in our homes. There's need in our community. It's everywhere around us. 
And um, there's not going to be one thing that we're going to say, this is what you're to do by any means. If you want to get connected with mustard seeds, you can put the, the image up there on the screen, please. Um, this is a contact, and so you can find out more information. You can email or call Joan. You can talk to Joan and talk to Fred over there. Um, they'll be around afterwards. Rocky and Chelsea, the same thing. You can talk to them. You can talk to Mike. He's going to be around. You can find out how can you be a part. How can you participate? Um, along with that, if God's leading you towards that, is, is what is it today? Like Who's that hurting person that you're sitting next to or you're going to go home to, or you're going to be around tomorrow, or whatever it may be, that you can be these hands and feet of Jesus, that you can meet that need that's evident right there before you. Or maybe you just really need to say, okay, God, what is that need, and how can I meet that? And, uh, and that is that, that connection there, maybe that bridge in to be the hands and feet of Jesus, as Mike was explaining, how the, Jesus addressed need and then said, go and sin no more is that what is that need that's around? So um, I really appreciate, um, let's thank Uncle Mike for taking time to share with us this morning. And I'm gonna ask you as a church to be praying for Mike and for Mustard Seeds and Rocky and Chelsea uh, as they return this summer. Um, but Mike prayed over us as a church in first service and Mike, I'm gonna ask if you would pray over this body pray over, Uganda pray over your church, um, that you would lead us in prayer as we uh, wrap up this time. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know what challenge you're facing as a family, what, what, what challenge you're facing as an individual, as a community, but what I know, God knows all of us. So I would ask you to join me in this prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you again for this moment. Thank you for bringing me to this wonderful family of Family Bible Church. Lord, things are not happening here just because they are happening, but we know that your hand is here. Father, I pray that whoever is here today will leave this place knowing that you are God. Knowing that whatever we have belongs to you. Heavenly Father, we know that we are broken pieces. We know that you picked those pieces and you put them together. Some of us are hurting. Some of us have been abused. Some of us have been laughed at. Some of us, they say that we're poor. Some of us say we are nothing. But Lord, today won't say that we all belong to you. We are one family. And we pray that, Lord, as we leave this church today, this building, we live renewed people. We, need, we live here when we know that we are one family. You are our Father, Lord. I pray that the people who have, Lord, bless them to have more, O oh Lord. Thank you for blessing them. Thank you for blessing their family. Thank you for using them at their place of work. 
I pray for the people who are still in need. That Heavenly Father, Lord, look unto them. You are our provider. Right now, oh Lord, I want to declare total healing upon everybody who is feeling sick, oh Lord, in Jesus' name. I want to declare total understanding and knowledge, Heavenly Father, Lord. Above all, wisdom. Wisdom to proclaim and to do your work. Father, I want to pray for Pastor, that Lord bless him and all the leadership of this church. Father, thank you so much. Many times we forget about the leaders of the church. But right now, I want you, Lord, to bless him and to protect him. Give him favor upon people. I want to pray for the children. We know that the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And right now, the devil has entered into the families. And the children are the target. Father, I want to pray for all the young people, all the young children who are here listening, and those ones who are listening all over the world, that God is with you. Come back home. Come back home. If you have run out of home, come back home. Church is home where Jesus is. I want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name I prayed. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mike. So thankful for you. Um, as we, we are sent out of here, we just walk in that blessing. Uh, if you desire prayer, uh, two members of our prayer team will be up here. I'm going to ask who they are, whoever they are this morning, that they would come forward. And uh, just uh, make sure you love on your kids' uh, leaders as you pick them up, uh, and uh, make sure you say thank you to them. Let's once again say thanks to Mike, and uh, God bless you as you go here today, my friend.